Hello and welcome back in. This is Nick Roby. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Backyard Catch. We are jumping back in with the SEC East. We've got the final four teams, and then we're going to pick the order of finish. We are going to see if I think that any of these teams can finish above Georgia or really also who could possibly be the number one contender as a team to represent the East instead of Georgia. So thanks for tuning in. We are going to dive right in first with the Missouri Tigers. So we are jumping back in with our previews for the SEC East, and we're going to dive into the Missouri Tigers, coached by Eli Drinkwitz in his third year with the program. They've gone 11 and 12 with him so far. They went six and seven last year and three and five in conference play. So the first couple of years has been about about a 500 sort of team and trying to establish themselves outside of the middle of the pack. So the question is, you know, can they build that momentum and keep going with other teams starting to improve? Obviously, we've got Georgia as the pinnacle right now, but teams like Kentucky and Tennessee are improving. Uh, Florida's got their new coach and want to really jump on that. South Carolina's got some recruiting momentum. So Missouri's in a place where they don't want to look around and see themselves fighting with Vanderbilt for not for being not finishing seventh. And so it, it's tough, you know. And so on the one hand, they're really thankful to be, you know, you're thankful to be in the SEC just with all the different uh, deals going on, the TV contracts at the same time. Like you want to be above. This is not the the record of what they signed up for necessarily when they came into the conference. And so the question is for this year, can they get out of that, about that 500 range? It's going to be a tough task. I think this team has some good pieces on paper, but they lose huge piece in Tyler Beatty. The do it all running back had 1600 yards last year, 14 touchdowns actually led the team in receptions as well with 54 had four touchdowns through the air. So you're trying to replace 18 touchdowns and it's almost. It seems to be that they've they've gone back to back the last few years of having a do it all back, and it seems like they might be trying to replace that with a couple different pieces instead of trying to do it all at once. Uh, you know, they they've been about about a five hundred team. I mean, it's hard to to put other than that. They gave, they scored twenty nine points a game. They gave up thirty three. Total yards was four hundred thirteen to four thirty four. I mean, it's it's a couple plays here or there, and uh, can turn you know a six and six team to an eight and four team, or a four and eight team, you know, the other way, and that and that's just kind of what they feel like right now. Uh, top guys right now are Isaiah McGuire, uh, defensive end, fourteen tackles for loss, Martez uh, Manuel, uh, second of the team with tackles of seventy seven. So they've got some good pieces. I think the big question for them is who is the quarterback going to be? You know, since Drew Locke, uh, they're still trying to reestablish that. And they've got a guy like Brady Cook. You know, they had the guy before transfer out to Indiana. They've got Brady Cook who's been in the program. But 
he only threw 58 passes last year, 300 yards. They've got a Southern Miss transfer who's coming late. Jack Abram could be fighting him for that. So it, it, it's just kind of hard to see exactly what will happen with this, but this team will go as the quarterback goes because a guy to watch is they – the recruiting has been top-notch, even with all this basketball and 500 ball. Top guy, Luther Borden III, is a five-star freshman from East St. Louis. He was the number one receiver, third overall in the country. If they can establish him and show that you can do well as a wide receiver at Missouri under this regime then you're going to start to get some more of those pieces and start to develop. And then you're going to have guys who want to play quarterback. You know, you're going to have all these pieces want to fit into that. And this is a big deal. I think this is really interesting is that they were had, they were the 15th ranked recruiting class last year for 24 seven in the past 32 years or 10 years, they averaged 32nd. So that's a big jump. And if they can really establish that, I would look to see uh, Borden and Dominic Lovett. Uh, they were both high school teammates, actually, and, and Lovett might be playing the slot. So they don't return a whole, whole lot when it comes to that. I'm just trying to fit all these different pieces together. But I would look to see uh, Borden be used quite a bit. And running back, they've got a Stanford transfer and Nathaniel Pete. Uh, Elijah Young was there last year. Cody Schrader, uh, D- D2 talent. Uh, you're going to see a lot of these different pieces trying to fit in. I think it's just not a whole lot of congruency from this, just an outside perspective. They're on their third defensive coordinator in three years. Uh, not great. And then you have Drinkwitz as, as calling the plays on offense. And uh, they haven't just been able to super, they, they had to rely so heavily on Beatty the past couple of years that you want to be a little more dynamic than that. Um, not that he's not good. It's just, it, that's just too much to go on one guy. So, it's just tough. I mean, they've got Georgia, of course, and then they've got Arkansas, and then they go on the road at Kansas State in the non-conference. Kansas State's an underrated team. Well, in and, and, and the college football world, they're being talked a lot. It's about a, a dark horse. It's, it's more to talk about become less of a dark horse team to even play for the Big 12 championship. So that's fun to go, you know, week two. Um, you get Georgia, South Carolina, Kentucky, you know, all these guys. So it's not the easiest of schedules, and it it's just really hard for me to pick them higher than sixth right now or just to see them above that just because of how much improving is going. But if they can keep building on this recruiting class, they can keep moving that forward. But because of the because of the feeling of of quarterback, I think this team just goes as far as the quarterback play can take them. And in today's day and age, you really just need you need someone to take the reins on that. And that's what we're going to kind of see until then. And I think, honestly, until it, if, if they shake up some of the more of the pod play, as they're kind of looking for with Texas and Oklahoma coming in and kind of shaking up that, it, they just kind of feel like a, like an odd man out when it comes to the East. But I looked at them to be about another 500 team win. But hopefully with this recruiting class, keep building so they can keep that momentum going and get some more top recruits coming in. So there you go, the Missouri Tigers. All right, so next on the list, we've got the South Carolina Gamecocks in year two of Shane Beamer. Last year, 
the Fighting Beamers went seven and six with the win over North Carolina in the Duke Mayo Bowl. Uh, you remember, if you haven't been tuning into them, you're seeing a, a Coach Beamer just getting poured in a Mayo bath from from the win over North Carolina, which, by the way, is gross and also amazing at the same time. So I think it's a great uh, advertisement for for Duke's Mayo for sure. One of the best bowls out there. They're a very interesting team. I think in year one, they performed a lot better than maybe what people were expecting them. And so now you go into year two saying, are they going to keep building on that or are they going to keep, you know, drop down a little bit or what does it look like for success in year two when you exceed expectations like they did in the win column? You know, this team was picked to maybe be a four win team and then you win six and then you go bowling and then you win the bowl game. It's an interesting spot to put in. Uh, Athlon, Athlon and pick six and all these guys have met like about five, uh, going about 500. So it, it's very, it, it's tough because they had a couple close games. They got big wins against Florida and Auburn, but they also have barely squeaked by against Vanderbilt, who, as we'll talk about later, has a, you know, 20 plus SEC losing streak. So it, it's just kind of like, you know, it's hard to know exactly what you're working with and now you've got all these transfers coming in i think really interesting to see how this recruiting class comes in but this transfer recruiting class obviously the big name out of this is spencer rattler because of the relationship that beamer and him had so are we going to get more of the what he was recruited as type of spencer rattler are we going to get more of the inconsistent like last year situation is it it was just a bad situation for everybody, especially him, and he had to get out of town and a new that's a better new situation. Or was last year more of an example of who he is and this year's gonna as a player and just is that situation gonna kinda follow him a little bit? Not like you're rooting for that, but just what I think I just come in with, with some more questions and I think it'll be very interesting to see what they do coming forward. Because there's a lot of uh encouraging things to come out of this and a lot of hype and I know a lot of Gamecock fans y'all are very excited about this I would say let's you want you want to keep the excitement but also you want to hold it to an attainable level so that way if you're you're not oversetting the hype that it's not a realistic mark for them to meet and then be disappointed with like an eight win season you know Um, and even that I think would be fantastic because Playing the SEC is already hard, and then you know you get to play Georgia and Clemson every year, and oh by the way, you play Texas A&M from the other side of the division as well. Uh, it's tough, and you know it, you want to 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 keep building on that because if this works with Rattler, then more of these transfer players, especially transfer quarterbacks, are just showing that what you can do and showing your your stock into the next level is really big. So that's really key for me is what does this look like, especially if things don't always go their way, like if things don't go the right way um, from the start, you know, if they go on the road at Arkansas, we too get the win that people aren't expecting as much, go home, even beat Georgia, but if just put, put up a good fight, it's a whole different ball game versus like you're not super in it. At Arkansas, you get blown out at home with Georgia, and then you're looking at one and two, just trying to get to above 500 before you start the rest of the SEC play and trying to fight again for that bowl eligibility. It's just a different type of feel, and I'm very curious to see once pads you know, and helmets start hitting each other and you're having to go on the road and you have to play at 
face a tough Georgia team? Like, what does this team kind of look like? Because there are a few transfers and different pieces. Uh, they were seventh in the country in pass defense, which, I, which is amazing. And, you know, guys like Cam Smith, who's really good. But then they were 94th in stopping the run. So, I mean, they might it's like was the pass better and so people ran the ball or was they were just weaker on the on the line and so they just ran the ball and they just didn't throw it as much because you could beat them on the run until you're like basically make a stop us i think that's the thing with this is 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 the lines of scrimmage is very curious because they've got pieces they've got josh van they've got you know, Jaheim Bell, they've got Christian Beal Smith is the Wake Forest transfer. He's good. Marshawn Lloyd is a name to watch. He was a top ranked recruit towards ACL in 2020, was just came back up to speed last year. He could he can be a very dynamic player if he's given an opportunity and he can he can be healthy. So it's not that. They've got Austin uh, Stogner, the the tight end who also transferred from um Oklahoma. You've got Juice Wells, James Madison. Like they've got pieces transferring in. The question for me is a line of scrimmage because you're returning, you know, guys on, on both sides of the ball. But just because you're returning all these pieces doesn't mean it's going to necessarily equal success later. You have to keep making these improvements. And I think especially, you know, offensive line, can they keep Rattler upright? Can they help establish this running game so it's not so much on him and they can complement each other well? I think that just the big circle for me is this at Arkansas game because you know they're going to be excited and pumped to play Georgia. But Arkansas is a very tough place to play, and how they play in that game will be a very interesting telltale sign. I'm not even saying they have to win it, but just it'll be very interesting to see how this goes. Can they build that momentum, or will they start to struggle a little bit from that? But obviously, Rattler is the big piece of this, but got to watch for sure is Marshawn Lloyd. Uh, the running back who I could very much easily see take over the starting job later in the season. So a lot of positive things for South Carolina, but very interesting to see how, how they go in year two. Shane Beamer. All right. And our second to last team for the SEC East, we've got the Tennessee Volunteers on the board. People are picking them to finish second in conference. You know, a lot of teams have them as maybe the team to beat behind Georgia just for so much of what we saw last year. So Tennessee's a very interesting team to me because they've got a lot of pieces that you like. And I think there are some question marks that if they can prove themselves that you can feel better about. But you also don't want to gloss over them because they could be detrimental down the down the road and we could be looking at another you know, seven and six, eight and four type of team. And you're like, man, how this team not win, you know, nine games? And it's like, well, it could come down to a couple plays, especially on the defensive level. So, of course, you know, year two, Josh Heupel, uh, th- there's a lot of encouragement, especially from last year. It wasn't looking as encouraging when they bring in the 80 and the new head coach. After Jeremy Pruitt, you got some sanctions coming. It wasn't a whole lot to be excited about. And then you get Hennon Hooker come in, the Virginia Tech transfer. He just comes in, throws 2,900 yards, 31 touchdowns, has the best TD to INT ratio in the country, 31 to 3. Also had five rushing touchdowns, 600 yards rushing. Dude's a baller. And honestly, if the season goes like, like you know, we're looking at the eight, nine, maybe that nine win range. You're looking at a guy who could be in New York for the Heisman. I think he's a very good chance if he builds off of that. 
that being said, you know, is, is that a one year, like a one hit wonder kind of a feel with him? And he's about the same, maybe even slight regression because people regression because people are focusing on that. Or can he continue to build and under another level of this offense and even just that fast tempo? They led the country with uh, with pace of play, trying to get like 80, 85 snaps a game, which is very fast. And it's not just it's not just this like, hey, let's just, you know, array, let's throw all these passes. They're really trying to be balanced and trying to get defenses off balance. You spread them out. And then you do a lot of quick game in the air, or you try to hit them up the middle with the run game. So both those things are very important for them. You got a guy like Jabari Smith, had nine touchdowns on the ground, 800 yards. Very important for them. Cedric Tillman had 12 touchdowns, 1,000 yards. Uh, That's a big thing. So the offense, I'm not as worried about for them. They returned four starters on the offensive line, everyone except for the right tackle. So for the most part, they're they're really strong on that. Where um, I'm just not as concerned. The concern for me is the defense. When we're talking about what we're talking about with Tennessee, that everyone has them, you know, sharpied in, or it feels like as like the number two team. I, I just feel less sure of that. Not that they can't. It's just I want to see some more improvement because we're talking about the team that in total yards was ninth in the country with 470 a game. They gave up 420, you know, so it's like, that's 99th. We're talking about a 50 yard difference and that's 99th defensively. So now when you, when you talk through, you know, and you look out in like pick six previews, they do a little bit more down to the nitty gritty of, you know, it's 57 you know, points per play and 52nd in yards per play. So it's a little bit more, not as extreme as the initial numbers might say, just because of how many plays get played, especially when the defense gets tired and they're giving up some of the efficiency numbers on defense because they're trying to get just more and more possessions on offense. So you want to get some stops because it's hard. It's hard for to beat a team when you have to score 40 or have to score 35 a game, you know, I I think the Pittsburgh game is a perfect example where Kenny Pickett and Pittsburgh came in and won forty one to thirty four, and now they have to go on the road at Pittsburgh. And so those are the type of games. I'd be very interested to see what this looks like in year two for Josh Heupel. Um, you know, they've got Kentucky, which is tough. They have to go on the road at South Carolina, at Georgia. Of course, they get Alabama every year. They have, oh, they also get at LSU, which would be very interesting because they're a kind of an unknown team, but that's never a great place to play. They play Pitt in the non-conference. It's not the easiest of schedules, and it would be very interesting because they got Florida, LSU, and Alabama early. And so I think that will, will show us what kind of team we're kind of looking with. But if they can sure up some of those things on the defense, maybe hold them to more like a 25, you know, 2025 kind of range, maybe like 25 points down from just like 30 last year, basically. I mean, that could push them over to that next level. But I think you're going to have to see, I mean, Hendon Hooker for them to be, it's a lot of people counting on him and he has the possibility of doing so of being in that Heisman race and being a candidate in New York. So 
It could be a dark horse pick. We'll talk about picks later. But Tennessee have a lot of people picking them second, and I'm I feel very encouraged with what I'm seeing. But also, it, it it's tough to 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 keep building that momentum when your defense is also giving them that many points. So we'll see. Top half of the division for sure, but. You know, I'll give up my picks later before I have them. So but there you have it, the Tennessee Volunteers. All right. And rounding out the SEC East, we have the Vanderbilt Commodores, led by head coach Clark Lee. In his second year, they went 2-10 overall last year. So year one of a, of a rebuild and off of a no-win 2020 year. They're they're looking to 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 really jump back into this and and really start this this rebuild into something stronger. It, it, it's tough, you know, when you play in the SECs in the East and having to face the likes of Georgia and Tennessee and and Florida, and when you're playing so far behind when it comes to uh, facilities and definitely a school that that puts more emphasis on academics compared to their their athletics when you look at the ratio maybe compared to other schools it's it's a strong uphill battle and i think this position is a little bit tougher than maybe they even realized with so many transfers that were coming out of the program so there you know there are some positives coming out of this but it's hard it's hard to look past things like a 21 straight you know sec losses and i think you know it really comes to all these teams but a team like vanderbilt it's different sets of expectations I think are important for them. You know, I think it's not realistic for them. It would be wonderful if they went, you know, 500 and went bowling and they're, you know, in this year two. I I just don't know if that's realistic. I think you take care of business in the non-conference. You know, you can't lose to an FCS team. I mean, especially by like 20, you know, win one, maybe two SEC games in year two and then year three you've got you're starting to build you know you want to build some recruiting into maybe year three you're looking at hopefully a 500 team you know and and, and can go bowling with that and get that extra set of set of reps in practice i think it's even underrated even with all this nil and different changes that are happening it's still you know this extra couple weeks of bowl practice are really big especially with when it comes to rebuilding and how much you can do in that in that time frame. So, a lot to look in this. Uh, when you come to, to key guys to look at, it'd be interesting to see how they do the the quarterback because you've got Ken Seals, who was, who was the first SEC freshman, I think, to start true freshman to start since the nineteen seventies. Uh, he threw for eleven hundred yards though last year. Mike Wright, a little more dual threat, threw for a thousand yards. Uh, had you know, 300 yards on the ground. So very interesting to see what they kind of do with that. Uh, at the same time, you know, they don't have as many of the playmakers on the outside to really work with that. And if you really want to get as many dynamic players as you can on the field. Um, and so I got like Will Shepard's like a big deal because he had 500 yards, four touchdowns. So I, it's it's really not necessarily one side, you know, one side of the game that is really like this is the reason why you know they won two games last year. It's really across the board, and there's just a lot to rebuild, and so you have to focus where you can. So on offense, I could see them going with like maybe your Mike Wright, just because he gives you that 
dual threat option you have to make teams focus on. And, you know, just wanting to get guys in space, you know, get the ball to guys like Will Shepard, uh, Rocco Griffin, you know, 500 yards on the ground. It, they're going to have a few different guys that they're going to look to and try to be a little more dynamic with. But, I mean, they gave up 35 points a game last year. You know, they need a guy like Anthony Orgy to, you know, the guys like that to step up and make plays. And I think for them, they really have to just care, care of the non-conference um, because it's hard. It's hard to look them past. I mean, if they were to win four games, I mean, that's what we're talking about. That would be a big year. I think for them, honestly, and I'm not not even being funny about that. I think that's that's just the kind of rebuild that you're in. And at a school like Vanderbilt, you know, you know, the same as like a Wake Forest or a Duke or something like that in the ACC. Like it, it can take a few years to even establish yourself, you know, in that third year, in that fourth year with players. And then when they have the new coaching staff, they had a bunch of transfers out. So it's so much harder now to to keep that that synergy going forward if you have guys leaving the program. So you really have to buy into that culture and really have to buy into belief of that what they're doing there. Um, it's very interesting to see. You know, even like a guy like a Kane Patterson, for example, coming out of Clemson, um, guys from other cultures and wanting to build that in to what's going on there. And is there really a belief that they can do and believe what the program's saying? You know, Lee had, you know, really str- has strong defenses at Notre Dame. And I think uh, I'm just wanting to see what that looks like in year two once you know it's almost just like last year you have to just you know fight through those dings and and knocks against you and kind of see what you're working with and then start to build on that into year two i think the big thing for them is they got a 300 million dollar uh endowment as an endowment or um just check for for facility upgrades and when it comes to stadiums, I mean, small like very like small stadium compared to others other schools and you know compared to other SEC schools, they're just they haven't been on the same playing field. So this will help help close that gap a little bit. Like there's still going to be a gap, but I think things like that will be important. Now it will see like whether how this coaching staff and this team uses that to continue to build momentum into that. So. Because it's tough, you know, at Georgia, they get at Alabama, they get Wake Forest in the conference. I, you know, as we say that, Old Miss, it's a lot of lots of games. They got to win like the Hawaii's and the Elons um, to show improvement. Otherwise, they're going to be in this cycle over and over again. So there you have it. There's Vanderbilt. All right. So now, finally, that we've gone through all seven teams in the East. I'm going to give out my picks for where I have everyone finishing. So when it comes to, I'm going to go from reverse order. Seventh, I think is Vanderbilt. Um, I just think there's just a lot of things stacked against them. And it's just a different, all these teams are at different tiers of bars of what, you know, expectations I think should be at. And I think for them, they're just wanting to build and, and really get over that hump of trying to get a couple SEC win here or there. And then continue to build on that. Uh, six, I have Missouri. I think you know there there have been some good pieces with them, but it's just they lost a lot, and uh, not having that sure quarterback play, I think it's just a really um, thing thing to look at with them. And I think there are other teams that just are more settled on quarterback that separate them from that. 
Uh, fifth, I have South Carolina, and then this middle tier gets closer, um, like what they're doing with Rattler. Uh, bringing that, that's a big plus for them. I think the defense, like the lines of scrimmage, are some of the bigger pieces for them. And they just have the easiest of schedules, you know, and then you have to play Clemson in the non-conference every year. That's tough. And so I think, you know, this – when you look at these two schedules, it can end up being the same record, but then this team was better than last year's, and you're building on top of that. So I don't think going, you know, winning six games and then winning a seventh again is a knock by anything because what you're working with before, it's just that would put you around, you know, fifth, and that's where I have them. Uh, next is Florida, you know, new coach. Uh, just feel a little bit better about them and Anthony Richardson and just what they're building there. Uh, then we have, I'm going to put Tennessee third, um, a lot of good momentum with Tennessee, just defense makes me have some question marks. Um, and, and really we're kind of splitting hairs between these middle teams. Um, but I have Tennessee third, second, Kentucky. I like what they're doing with Kentucky and yes, they were building pieces on the line, but I think Will Levis can play. And, um, I just like their schedule too, uh, a little bit little bit more manageable to work with and i just like them better than tennessee and i think that they'll win that game this year and then number one is georgia i think they're they're the team to beat you know they're the class in this division until someone else proves otherwise i know florida won it a couple years ago the division but it there's just other teams that they're they're building momentum but georgia's just the top dog right now and that's their mascot but there you have it. I have Georgia playing again, but lots of interesting storylines when it comes to SEC East. So thanks so much for listening, guys. And for now, we are signing off.